Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful time just in worship and to be able to talk to you and be able to sing the songs and be able to raise our hands and be able to just enjoy your presence, Lord. Thank you, Father, because you are so, so good. And we love you, Lord. And right now in this moment, we just ask your blessing over the word. Would you bring it alive? Would it speak to us? God, would it challenge us, convict us, but would it also encourage us and give us direction, Lord, and help us to understand what you are saying to us? We thank you for it, and in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Have you ever felt the power of something? Right, the power, the power of something. Listen, I don't mess with electricity because I have felt the power of it. Anybody been there before? <laughs> One of my favorite places for my family and I to get away is to go to the ocean. We love going to the ocean. There's something special about it, just tranquil, just gets, just clears the mind. I feel free there. And, and one of the favorite things that I love to do when I get to the ocean is I love, and I kind of, I, I get to my knees like this, and I'll hold Arabella and Jonah, and I have a picture that I want you to see, but I, I'll, I'll hold them, and we allow just to get close to the waves and as we're getting there and the waves are coming and I'll just kind of hold them up a little bit higher in my arms and, and, and they're just kind of, you know, they feel the splash of it. And we do this like every time we go to see the ocean. It's something that we, 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 we do and it's a game we play together. But, it, but it's amazing because you're in that moment, you can feel the power of the ocean. You can feel the power of it just kind of pulling your, your knees, pulling your feet, pulling you away. You can feel that there's power there. Have you ever experienced power like that before? Have you ever driven through strong wind and you feel your car just rocking and you're like, whoa, this is serious, I better slow down, right? Or driven through some heavy fog and know, wow, there's some things that are outside of my control. Or seen a newborn baby enter into a family and it changes everything, right? With, with the man and with the woman, this newborn baby. Or the power of healing words. And there's some words that they need to hear, don't they? And when those words are released, the healing, the power over them, or the power of those, some of the words that you need to hear because of what you've been through and what's been happening in your life, there is power. And as I have reflected in my life, I've experienced the power of God in so many different ways. And God has created avenues for you and I to experience more of Him and His power because God has power. God is not just up there and he's just waiting for us to get to him, to get to heaven. But he also allows us to experience him in this life, in, in this physical nature, in our humanity. And one of the avenues that we experience that power is through fasting. Fasting is such a powerful tool in our faith. Combined with our biggest weapon, which is prayer, we can touch the heart of God. Prayer plus fasting equals touching God's hearts. Amen. See, most Christians don't pay enough attention to fasting and they miss the opportunity to experience the power of God in their life. You see, in the Bible, we see the use of fasting over and over. People fasted for different reasons, but always as they fasted and came before the Lord for the right reason, God would respond and they would experience Him in a tremendous way. And they worship and they prayed and they combined it with fasting. This is the testimony of those who fast. And today we take a look at a passage in the book of Esther. And for those of you that are going to open up your Bible, I'm giving you some time to turn there. 
But I want to give you a little bit of background before we get into what we're going to get into. You see, the people of God at this moment, in this particular time, they were in captivity because of the wrong, the wrong ways they had treated God. And in fact, they were, um, they were said to be in captivity for 70 years. And maybe historically, as we're looking here at this passage, there was already a time for them to go home. But there's a group of people who stay here and they remain under this, this rule. Well, it, it gets even worse for them because the king that is ruling over them he decides by royal decree, and there's some things that happen, and I encourage you to read the first three chapters of the book of Esther. But by royal decree, on such and such date, the people are going to be completely annihilated. In addition, they are not allowed to defend themselves. Could you imagine that? On such and such date, you're going to be annihilated and you're not allowed to defend yourself. Could you imagine that? And so that's what's transpiring. That's what's, what's happening in, in the passage that we're about to get to. But I want to say this. You have to know this as we get into what we're about to get into. God is good. God is sovereign. And God is so strategic because he has the ability to see the attack that you're about to hit before it hits you. He already knows your tomorrow. He just simply wants us to participate with him in what he's about to do in our lives. So what does God do? God arranges for this young lady named Hadassah who goes by Esther, who is Jewish, loves God, fears God, loves the people of God to move up and eventually become the queen of Persia. Now what I find interesting is this. I see God putting pieces together for your victory tomorrow for a battle you have not even fought yet. The thing is, we just don't see God's hand and we wonder where God's hand is. God, where are you? Are you working? Is anything happening? Are you hearing my prayers? Is anything, God, I'm feeling the pressure of it. But you need to know that he's been working it out. He's been arranging the pieces. God is over here in, in days before, months before, years ahead, working things out while you're over here about to deal with what you're about to face. This is the sovereignty God of God. This is how strategic he is. And so this young lady named Esther, who's about to become the queen of Persia, she has an uncle named Mordecai. And Mordecai, along with everyone else, has received the royal decree that the Jewish nation is going to be killed in one day and they are not allowed to fight back. That's the news. That's the front page news. That's what's streaming on all devices. There it is. And so we're going to take a look at Esther chapter 4 and we're going to read the whole chapter. It's 17 verses. And verse 1 says this. When Mordecai, again, this is Esther's uncle, learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. Right? He went into this time of mourning. He's devastated. Verse 2. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and the order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes, right? The whole Jewish nation is devastated. Notice, though, no one is gathering and saying, hey, how are we going to take up arms? Hey, we can get them. Let's come together. We can do this together. Nobody is saying that. Nobody is thinking that. Because when you've been helpless and hopeless for a long enough period of time, you begin to believe the lie. Verse 4 says this. When Esther's eunuchs 
And female attendants came and told her about Mordecai. She was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay in the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews, right? There's some things there. Again, I want you to go back and read Esther chapters 1 through 3, verse 8. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence and to beg for mercy. Right, do we understand what it means to beg for mercy? They're talking about begging for mercy for their lives. Plead, would you, would you not kill us? Right, to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. Verse 9, Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court Without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they, who, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go into the king. I'm going to explain more about this a little bit later. Verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, she went back, she sent back this answer, or he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, that, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, right, when the fasting is completed, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Now, a whole lot's going on here, right? The stakes are high. What could happen is, is very high. And what happens? The people begin to fast. Esther begins to fast. They believed in fasting. Why? Because they believed that God responded to fasting. And we see it here in this passage, but we also see it throughout Scripture. Where men and women come before the Lord and God responds. God responds to them with this sacrifice that they offer Him. And so there's just one thing that I want to share with you and a reason why we cannot afford not to fast. And it's simply this, very simple. Fasting touches God's heart and opens doors I can't open on my own. See, you and I have, you and I have been there. We have the same opportunity and all of a sudden we reach a door and it's like we, we just can't get in. I'm like, I, I can't get in. We're stuck. And we feel like in life we're stuck. And we feel like in life it's stagnant. 
And I don't know, but I'm not growing. I'm not changing. I'm not getting past. My finances aren't getting better. My relationships aren't getting better. My education, it's not, nothing is moving in my life. I don't know why. And I look at other people and it seems like they're moving on. They got something going on. But what about me? Feeling just completely helpless and hopeless. And if that goes on long enough, You'll begin to uh, develop an identity. That's just the way it is. You see, the people of God in the book of Esther were also forming this new identity in their hopelessness and helplessness. Have you ever faced a door like that in your life? And you think to yourself, you'll never have that. You got that habit, so you have that addiction. And you just don't know how you're going to break that addiction. And just think, when I, I don't know, I, I just, I, I'd like to be done with this thing, but I, I don't know. It's just not happening. I'm still doing it. I was just thinking, you know what, this relationship, I don't know if this relationship will ever get better. And you just begin to believe that. Or you're looking for direction, or you're looking for wisdom, and you find neither. Or healing, or provision. I want you to look at what happens with Esther after they have finished the fast. Right after they've offered this Lord this sacrifice of a fast, it says this in chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It says this, On the third day, at the completion of it, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it'll be given to you. Right? This is, this is huge. This is a, a huge moment because God has been at work. See, what you need to know is that she had not been in the king's presence for 30 days. For a whole month, he didn't call her. It wasn't like she got to see him every day. It wasn't like she slept in the same bed with him every night. She certainly couldn't go to, hey, babe, you know, what's up? Uh, let's take a trip to the ocean this weekend. What you think? No, that wasn't their relationship. That wasn't their culture. That's not the way that it was. In fact, it was law. That if she would approach him and go into the, to the royal throne room and he didn't extend that scepter, well, it was just being death. He didn't have to order anybody, hey, guys, why don't you kill her? Like, I, I don't know. It was just the law. That's just the way the culture and the time was. That's, that's, that's the way that it was. So she goes in to see the king knowing that law and culture and the fact that it had been 30 days and he checked on her. He didn't go to her, hey, baby, you know what? I got a lot going on right now. I've really got it going on. And listen, I, I'll be back. I just, let, I just want to let you know that I got... It wasn't like that. They didn't have that, that type of relationship. That's not the way it was. So she goes in only after she's fasted. Her hope and faith is in the one who can open doors that no one can shut. And the Bible reminds us in Revelation 3, 7... What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Right. You see, our hope and our faith must be in the one who can open doors that no one can shut. That's where our hope and our faith must be. Where's your hope and your faith? What have you been going through? What's been weighing heavy on your heart? What's been just racing through your mind? What have you been thinking about? What's, what's on the, the goal list? What's been on the vision? What is it that you'd hope to, you'd like to accomplish? What, what, what addictions or bad habits that are you hoping to break? 
What, what, what areas of these life, where is your hope and your faith? See, we need to adopt the perspective that we cannot afford not to fast. Because again, fasting touches God's heart and God moves mountains. Amen. You see, I have, I have fasted for direction in my life. God, which way do I go? You know what? Let's fast. God, 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 God who, who should I marry? So I fasted. Okay, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, I've fasted when it's been, when it's been difficult. I've fasted when I've needed a miracle. I've, I've fasted when, when the truth is I have felt helpless and hopeless. I've also fasted just to, just to give him the glory he deserves to worship his name. See, God can open doors that no one can shut. And they could even try and shut it on you, but they won't be able to. They could say you don't deserve it. They could talk behind your back. But if God is for you, then who can be against you? And on the opposite end, I know what popular culture says. Take whatever you want. You're unstoppable. But the truth is, life just doesn't work that way. There are always consequences to our decisions outside of putting God first. Because you can try and kick that door down. Pry it open. And God's like, no, that door isn't for you. And then there's sometimes where God will let you pry that door open all the way, only so that you would experience that that's not really satisfying for you. Because if you let God bless you, then you'll be blessed. If you try and bless yourself, you'll never be satisfied. He's just looking for the next door to kick down and the next door to try and pry open. Listen, the truth is, there are dreams that you haven't handed over to God. There are hopes that you haven't handed over to God. There are worries and concerns that you have not handed over to God. There are things that you believe will bless you. And it's like, if I can only obtain that, it'll bless me. It'll bless my family. If I can have that, but you have not handed it over to God. You have not allowed God to open the door for you. And we see this throughout Scripture that if you come before the Lord, you have the right, ha the right heart, you want to glorify His name, you fast God responds to these areas. He responds. We see it over and over in Scripture. In the Bible, there was a brother named Ezra. He was on a 900-mile journey back home to go rebuild the walls of his hometown. And along the way, he faced opposition. Now, some of the other brothers with him, they began to just say, I don't know if I can handle this opposition. They wanted to give up. But Ezra would not give up. And this is what the Bible says here in Ezra chapter 8. Verses 21 and 23. There by the Ava, Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God. I want to pause it for a moment. So that we might humble ourselves before our God. Sometimes that's exactly what needs to happen. And it has a whole lot to do with perspective. Because sometimes, because of what we're trying to work out, we're not allowing Him to be Him. And we need to allow God to be God. We need to allow Him to, to have His hand in our life to orchestrate the things. And so we humble ourselves before Him, making sure that He's first. He gets the glory. He says this, And so humble ourselves before God and ask Him for a safe journey for us, our children, and all of our possessions. Verse 23, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and He answered our prayer. Again, there's power in fasting you could even feel like you've been at this for a while. 
You've been at this for a while and it feels like nothing's happening in your life. You, you, you could feel like, like you've went back and forth about just throwing in the towel. You just want to give up with this situation in your life. You just want to let it go. You've even had to come to yourself and look into the mirror and say, you know what? You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. But you're still at this place where you're struggling inside. The opposition is too much. And I say to you this morning, church, let God open the door. Let God do the miracle. Let God save your loved one. Let God bring peace. You see what God is asking us? He's asking us to, uh, to, to partner with Him in what He already wants to do in our life. God is good. God is faithful. He loves us dearly. And He gives us this great tool and combined it with our greatest weapon in prayer and it touches God's heart and then God moves mountains. God will move mountains. In the book of Acts, the disciples had gathered. They were trying to figure out what would be next. And I want you to see what they do here in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 through 3. It says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and what? Fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. So after they have, what? Fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now what you need to understand is this is Saul who's going to become Paul. This is the brother that writes like nearly one-third of the New Testament. He does some amazing work. This moment kicks off because they fasted and they prayed. Because they worshiped and they fasted. They understood that there was no way they could afford not to fast. So do you need wisdom? Do you need direction? Do you need God's provision? Here's what I want to tell you. Waiting on God and hearing from God is one of the best feelings in the world that's it waiting on God and hearing from God is one of the best feelings in the world because God can do it God opens perfect doors not the door that you're trying to shake because you think that that's if, if I get in here my life is woo I'm gonna be at another level this is gonna be good no God's like I see you like that door I see you're attracted to that door but actually I got this other one for you and it is going to satisfy you in a way that that door it just cannot do God will reveal that to you because you're here but if you fast you pray let him show you let him lead you let him guide you let him direct you let him bless you you can't try and bless yourself you continue to try and bless yourself I love the Lord but you bless yourself and you're always going to come to a place where you're just like, ah, I don't know why it's not quite working out for me. Wait on the Lord. Waiting on God and hearing from God is one of the best feelings in the world. You see what happens in this passage here in Esther. She ends up talking with the king and sharing with him all that's taking place. And, and so the king makes this new royal decree and saves the people. The king saves the people. But do you know who really saves the people? Our Heavenly Father. He was always in the whole thing. He was over here orchestrating. How did Hadassah, how did Esther even become the Queen of Persia? How did she have access? God, way over here, years ahead, months ahead, weeks ahead, days ahead, was working. Before they even got news that one day they would be annihilated on such and such date. Right, you ever get the milk and you see there's the expiration date and that's it? It's, it's no good after that. These people are facing this expiration date. That's it? 
but God has been working and he's asking for us because you need to know how to get from here to there he's asking us to partner with him in prayer and fasting and it's in that that he's like okay this is what I've been working out in your life this is what I've been arranging prayer plus fasting equals touching God's heart and God moves mountains he can bless you in a way that you just can't bless yourself so here's the challenge this morning the challenge is, is, is simply this ask yourself what is heavy on my heart that I need to fast for and then just join the church fast and touch God's heart we're in a church-wide fast right now we're gonna fast the whole month of September we're giving people the option choose a week choose two weeks choose the whole month we're gonna close it out with a worship night we're gonna come and we're going to come before the Lord and and fast and worship his name and I give you three things that I'm asking you to, to join. And the fourth one is yours. Number one, we are asking God for more of his presence. That we would get to experience his presence in, in a very much in a supernatural way. In signs and wonders, we'd experience his presence. Number two, we'd have the opportunity to usher people into hope and healing in Christ. That God would use us to minister to these people. Number three, 95817 where God is calling us and the work that we're going to do there and all that's going to take place there. And number four is whatever is heavy on your heart. What is that area? And we're going to fast. So when I fast, I'm fasting for you. And when you fast, you're fasting for me. And together, we're going to offer this sacrifice to the Lord. And we're going to ask that He would be glorified, that He would do miracles. We're simply going to say, God, we're partnering with you with what you want to do in our life. And we know that your will is good and pleasing for us. Let me take a moment to pray, and then we're going to take communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we can be in your house, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can enjoy your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we can enjoy your word. Thank you, God, that it speaks, Lord, that it's so alive, Lord, that it just takes us to where we need to go. It helps us to see what we need to see. It helps us to hear what we need to hear. So we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your love in our life. God, we just pray that you would continue to work in us in a way that we would see, God, we would begin to trust you, Lord, and what you have for us. I pray, God, that our eyes would stay fixed on you.